0: Today on the Focus on Why podcast, I am joined by Anne Wilson. Anne, welcome.
1: It is such a joy to be here, Amy. Thank you. And I can't wait to dive into this juicy sort of aspect, which really is the core of all of our
0: lives.
1: Why? That big question.
0: (laughs) Well, why? Let's go there. Let's do this. (laughs) You know, well, you know, well,
1: why is such a huge video? You know, why are we care? Why are we are doing it? But for so much of what I teach is, you know, why should we bother about our money stuff? Why should we bother becoming financially literate? Why should we bother learning how to invest and get assets working for us? And and for me, it's one of the deepest aspects of safety of personal expression. And, you know, so I know I've died right into, you know, what I teach and do is part of that deep why. And often people say to me, and, you know, why... Why are you passionate about money? Why are you passionate about investing? Why are you passionate about helping liberating others? I already see myself as a, as a financial activist, especially women around us, getting clear Go, you should damn all give a damn about your money stuff and get investing, you know, and so often that's why. And we'll say, oh, you know, money is not important. Well, that's like saying oxygen isn't important. I don't spend all day wondering about the oxygen, but hell am I glad that I can breathe it. And, uh, you know, all these other things. But it's about because money weaves through every aspect of our lives, practically our ability to feel safe, get food, have shelter of our head. But also in, in our modern lives, it's become interwoven with our sense of worthiness, of power. And you know, and, and and just so many aspects of, of life expression. And so I'm not passionate about money and investing for an end and of itself, but my why is because what they enable me to do. And I make damn sure I've mastered this money stuff. I keep up to date, I know what is going on and I'm a great leader to my money so that I can live my life fully. Just the other day, someone was saying, you know, isn't the purpose of life to be happy? And I said, well, actually, I think that's complete BS. And I think it's one of the most devastating lies that we can be told in the personal development world. That's not the why. That's not what why. You shouldn't be doing any of this shit because to be happy, because happy is just a, a, another emotion together with anger and joy and feeling turned on or bored or whatever it is that goes through. But for me... The whole purpose of being awake and alive is so that we can be present. Can we be present with this moment? Can we be present with everything that it brings, the relationships, the experiences, the opportunities that come along? And so for me, the big why about why should we bother mastering this thing called money, learning how to invest, be savvy with it, is so that we are able to be fully present with With life, I see so many people and women not being present with that because they're in deep anxiety. They're operating from their limbic system. They're stressed and fearful. Money is one of the biggest worries for so many people. So it prevents people from being present. Or if something comes along. Somebody gets ill or a parent or a partner, they can't be there because they're having to work hard for money. So for me, at the end of the day, the purpose of life is to just be awake and be able to be fully with it all. And money is one of the key ingredients that enables that. And so that is you know, my big why, why I'm passionate about this. But my bigger why in life is to be awake, to be present and Money and investing is one of those ingredients, really, at the end of the day, we've just got energy, time, and money, and how we use those create the life experience we get to live
0: and How easy is it for people to be awake you know i think I, I think it's almost impossible
1: to be fully awake um, it, it 24 hours a day, you know, I'll numb with the best of us, you know, <laughs> some chewing gum TV, or, or maybe if I'm freaking out, let's get a box of chocolates and shove those into my, oh, so I think, I think the aim for me is definitely how can I be more present, how can I be more awake, and how can I have systems and processes in my life that, is, that enable me to be more awake. I know how I eat, how I sleep, my routines, and um, my rhythms that, that chop wood carry water. Some are more likely to take me into fog and be and disconnect and disassociate from life, and others help me be more awake. So there's the practical physicality aspect. Then there's the environment that I hang out with. Then there's the people I choose to hang out with. It's what I choose to consume. So there is this ecosystem. And then the financial resilience that you know, I talk about often about five pillars of financial resilience that for me are key elements that enable me to be more likely to be awake. But I think that choice of, we can call it conscious, awake, being present, has to be something we choose every single day. You know, and for me, being awake and being free and freedom are very, very closely linked. It. It has to be a choice and it's a choice that has to be made every single day, every minute, some days, moment by moment, second by second, noticing that, oh, shit, I've, I've slipped over here, you know, I'm handing over my freedom. I've gone into victim mode or reaction or, you know, can I come back to me and claim that freedom? So I don't think it's necessarily an easy thing to do, but I think it becomes easier just like investing in all these aspects, the more muscle memory we have, because we start getting a feeling of, when are we not free? When are we not awake? And it starts becoming a lived experience. And then that choice is, well, do I just want to stay here in my numbing? And that's also okay, because that's freedom of choice. (laughs) At least you're doing it consciously, as opposed to believing you don't have a choice. Or what do I need to do to, to come back to me, come back into life?
0: And can you remember when you first made this choice to move from this state of not being awake yeah. to being more awake?
1: You know, I, I think it's happened in 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 different stages of life. And I think it's so cool where this has gone. Who knew? I had no idea we'd be talking about being awake and freedom at this level so quickly. But this is what I love about when we can really drop into these deep, almost the root systems of why. You know, our why is for me like that, it's the root system of the tree. So often in life we can end up focusing on if we think of the metaphor of a tree, you know, the health of the leaves or the flowers that it's producing or the fruit. And people fixate on that and they and they do stuff to try and make it flower better, but going how that tree is going to flourish is in the root system. But it's so easy to look at the surface stuff. And you know, so if I circle right back to the for me, this journey really started at claiming and an a sense of coming from a place of deep fear around my own vulnerability financially and that I never wanted to be dependent on somebody else. I never wanted to be financially um, vulnerable. I had, I, I came from I'm number five or six kids and it was very much a family where we didn't speak about money but we were also told work hard get a good job and then you would earn money you know the questions of what you're going to be what do you want to be when you're big we're not being asked like whoa what does your soul and life want to express itself out of the world it was how are you going to trade your life force for this thing called money and so this was so much of the messaging. And then my father died when I was relatively young. When I was already sort of a bit older, but my I watched my mum, who had always done the very traditional mother role. She looked after the kids, made sure we didn't kill each other. Dad looked after the money stuff. I saw this anxiety, this fear, this almost repression from ignorance and financial illiteracy of worrying about how did she make the small pile of money she had last. Who could she trust? What did she even do with it? And there was almost this stigma to boo around that nobody really spoke about it, but there was this unspoken fear. I also heard, you know, would hear this quite passive-aggressive conversations of between the male and the female, the mass and the feminine, of who held the power in relationships around the money stuff. These misogynistic jokes or stuff around, you know, women spend the money and don't give the credit card and this sort of crap. And I went, no, there's something really wrong here. And so I vowed that I never wanted to be in that position. I never wanted to be, you know, almost selling myself, This almost this form of economic prostitution that you see in so often in relationships or in life. And so the, but the only thing I'd been taught was work hard and get a good job. So I, I went that way, and so I think this why, this why for me this was a deep root of, of first it was safety. I'm not even going to say freedom you know it's, it's, it's evolved into freedom, but i've realized now in hindsight now having worked with thousands and thousands of people and really explored this topic of freedom and wealth and liberation, and what does that really mean that you can't even start comprehending that kind of um, sense of self expression or or self actualization if you're not f- safe first. But safety has to come first. And so that was my first driver that I didn't want to be vulnerable. I wanted to be safe around this, this economic area because I thought if I've got that in place, then the other options will come. Then, then I will feel safe and be able to, and hopefully do some fun things. But all I knew was how to work hard. So that's what I did. I studied engineering. <laughs> I thought, because not because I gave a damn about how a piece of steel bent or <laughs> did civil engineering, because that's what men did, and I thought they seemed to have more safety in the world than I did. They seemed to have more economic say and power, and so there was more this perception, and so I went towards that. But I very ra- very quickly realised when I dropped into a big debt hole and realised, okay, that you know everybody had told me success was drive this car, own that, have these things, use debt, you know, you somehow, you've been chosen to have this overdraft, woohoo, no, (laughs) you know, so I'd never been taught about money, how to manage it, how to understand it, compounding, how to evaluate actually what the cost of these choices was I was making, but I, I climbed out of that hole, but it was still this aspect of believing if I could just earn more money, if I could just get more money, then I would be safe. But that bottom underlying anxiety never went because I had no idea what there was, if there even was there. So it was this endless journey of how much is enough? At what point would I feel safe? At what point would I be able to do the things that I wanted to do? And I think for me, this is a huge devastation as well that most is one of the things that keeps us away from feeling awake, feeling deep in our living, our why on our terms, uh, because we're also fed this when then, you know, when you've done X month, then you'll be enough. Good enough, pretty enough, slim enough, wealthy enough, and this and this gap of emptiness seeking something else and that again is just there's no freedom in that because what a prison there's always this hurdle to to, to cover. And it was at this point where I was trying to do the right thing. I was saving hard. You know, if I could just control myself and my desires, <laughs> if I didn't have any needs and maybe I can save more money and then maybe it would magically emerge to be enough. And... and what I've seen now, what happened to me, I see in so many relationships, I became the bad cop. I became the controller in, in, in my marriage at the time. Everything was about, no, we couldn't do this and, and feeling resentful if my partner spent any money, my husband at the time. So it all blew up in a big messy money drama, but that resentment as well was actually just me projecting my resentment of, 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 of this self deprivation. Because I also had no idea that it wasn't these two extremes it wasn't just well you know to hell with it to help with your safety and almost self-portrayal in that way versus self-portrayal of of deprivation and so it all blew up in a messy money drama and the money i'd been trying to work and hold on to and the marriage walked out the door and so this was where the next layer of i guess what you call this why really dropped in and i I realized now I need to slow down a little bit of my nervous system and and get out of the story and go, what's going on? So after I did feel sorry for myself for a bit, I'm sure I had a few slabs of chocolate shoved in my face too. And uh, there was this going, hang on, my safety is really important to me. Just the sense of, of feeling that I can let go of the worry and the anxiety that I'm going to end up living on a park bench one day, which interestingly, Amy, is one of a huge, huge fear for many, many women when they're poor. That's one of the greatest fears. that They're going to end up destitute. They're going to end up relying on their children, on um, um, the charity of strangers, and rightly so. Not that we should feel fearful of it, but actually, Amy, how devastating is this statistic? Two out of three women and I'm talking in the developed world, not just in you know, some, oh, well, that's third world developing world. Two out of three women will at some point in their life depend on their children, their family, um, extended family, charity, and heaven forbid the government, just to survive, not even thrive. And you know, I've started to live to what my bigger why is now. But, you know, I really realized that these threads, these same fears, these anxieties were, were feeding through me. This future anxiety, but also just the practicality of confusion going, I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm working really hard. Shit, I'm even doing engineering. I'm doing something I don't even really like. I mean, what I, my career had evolved then, but, you know... I what's, what's wrong? There's something missing here in this point. And I realized that I'd been taught how to earn, I'd been been taught how to spend, and I was constantly being bombarded with what I should be spending my money on by media and everybody telling me what I needed to spend my money on in order to be worthy and whole and worthwhile and loved. So there was this two sides, but there was this major gap between the two. And I'm so grateful at this time, this deeper why going, yeah, I wanna feel safe, but I also wanna live, I wanna be awake. I'm not prepared to sacrifice and keep betraying my heart to keep betraying the truth of a lived experience of life to travel, to be creative, to, 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 to actually live. That there was a sense of, I, I can't just exist there's almost no point and I'm getting a bit emotional now because this is I guess this is my deepest why I just see so many people have an an existence not a life and this devastation of the self-betrayal of because some of these fundamental just practical life skills that we should have been taught we aren't taught and what a devastating hard death that is if you get a glimpse and realize you never actually lived. And it was in this point I realized, okay, I shouldn't have to sacrifice living in order to feel secure. And there must be an end, there must be a way that I can feel secure and live life, and feel powerful, and feel present and have joy. So it was this huge and. And that made me realize there was something in between this inflow and the outflow then that took me into this journey of learning about investing learning about assets nowhere in my entire life had and didn't know anybody who invested stock market investing real estate you know property investing elsewhere and i stumbled wrong with this deep why this deep hunger and my why was a commitment to live not exist and realizing that that was not just a woo-woo thing that had to happen in my mind and having a ruddy vision board, but there was practicality. I live in a physical world where I need to eat. I need to have roof of my head. And there's a freedom that needed to be created by something other than me needed to do the earning. And if I ever wanted to stop trading my time and my life force for this thing called money, which is damn important, (laughs) You know, I wasn't prepared to go and like, oh well, you know, pretend it's not important. And so that started this hunger and I started learning about stock market investing. I read books, I attended courses, but most importantly, I actually took action. I actually did the shit. Implemented, then I got into investment property, then into low-input businesses. And the more I did this, this first this level of safety topped up. So this freedom came up and I've realized freedom is a bit like a rainbow cake. It's got these layers to it. You know, you can't have freedom if you don't have fundamental safety, like the bottom of Maslow's hierarchy, access to basic nourishment, access to be able to have shelter, access to safety, access to opportunity, fundamental. And as that built up, then there was more for self-expression, but really this mental commitment to life. And these together came. And so it was really about shifting the relationship of being a slave to money, having it, me serving it, this constant anxiety, worry, stress about it, working hard for it to go, how did I get money to serve me? But mostly how did I get money and assets to serve a life? And that was the deep freedom. And that was my why, first on and from me, safety and then life expression. And then that evolved looking around going, hey, I've somehow stumbled across this. Well, I say stumbled through a lot of learning and work and implementing and putting in place, but I realized I'm, I'm deeply grateful that there was, I got to a point that made me really question what was the point of all of this and and drop into this is why I choose to do it. And I saw so many people still floundering, just trying, you know, focusing on the wrong things. And never getting out of the safety and anxiety which was then resulted in going you know what i've created this for myself in just eight years from that day i was able to create enough assets these investments that can that do pay for my lifestyle i've been financially free now for 15 years amy this august woo! i'm set to check the date it might even be my my freedom day who knows um somewhere around about now where I realized I had enough of these assets that I have the ultimate freedom, this freedom of choice, this freedom of time, of liberation, because I can choose what to do with my life force. And that for me is then my big why. And I realized, wow, there's actually a responsibility that comes with this and how few people ever get to this place. And that my deep passion and joy then became helping other people do the same. And that was then the birth of the Welsh chef. And now, yeah, so that's good a little bit of a while because it, it can be quite freaky when you do achieve your freedom and you liberate, because then all your excuses have gone. <laughs> you can no longer use the, the two big socially acceptable excuses. I don't have the money and I don't have the time. Well, boof, I call this like freedom agrophobia. like, oh shit, where am I gonna hide now? And um, it, it went well, you know, if I don't do this, I'm gonna regret it. And it's just been a joy for the last 10 years, create an extraordinary digital training business, Best-selling books, TV shows—who knew what would come? But I think when we drop deep into, ah, oh, for me, my big why is to be awake, to live life fully, and explore what that means in every dimension. And mastering my money stuff is an enabler and input into that. Knowing that if I, you know, if I'm not financially liberated and empowered, I will be overpowered. And I see that for so many people. I'm going to say it again. And this is my big passion when I say I'm really a financial activist is to help people become financially empowered because you can do all the other things. But if you do not have this, this thread, this deep root of economic and financial empowerment in your life, the rest is just never going to be what it can be.
0: And I'm listening to you, Anne, and you're so passionate and you're so clear. You've got great clarity and I'm sure there have been moments where, I mean, it's easy for you to look back now with the knowledge that you've got. But at the Hindsight's time. Hindsight's
1: 2020. We better not use 2020. <laughs> None of no. us saw this coming, but hindsight.
0: <laughs> and and what i'm thinking is you're you're looking back on the years and the last sort of 15 years and then the the prior eight years to that yeah. and you're you've got the filters that you're you're thinking through now can yeah. you put yourself back into those moments so that people can find it more relatable into the how you got the, through those moments
1: yeah absolutely you know i think it was just really here in in many of those moments were were moments of great distress of confusion of change of flux a marriage ending or finding myself deep in debt and going shit what do i do almost sort of back up against the wall moments which i think many of us as humans we are pre-programmed to only respond in moments of crises There are ways and I've got better at now not having to wait till a crisis to decide to do something that I want to do. But I think what happens in those stark moments is we get an opportunity to maybe open our eyes and wake up and get that fresh sight. I think right now there's this extraordinary crazy year we've been experiencing with global pandemics. I mean, who knew? For many people, it's it's this slowing down a type, they always say that heightened state of if you're attacked, if you have a car accident, there's almost a slowing down that can happen where the nervous system gets some perspective. And I think in this year, many people have gone, whoa, what the essentialism, this opportunity to go, what is actually important to me? And that sounds so contrived, but how do I get that? What's not working? What is working? So I think that's why sometimes these big pivotal life events can be so Powerful because it it almost makes the nervous system get out of its comfort zone. The problem is when we're just in that unconscious routine of, oh well, it's not so bad. You know, there's often a phrase, you know, Tony Robbins and many others say, you know, being comfortable is, is actually the most devastating place to be. Because it's always just, oh, well, it's the good enough kind of thing. Why rock the boat? And you know, um, often. You know, again, I'm using hindsight as the filter, but often we will choose our familiar suffering over unfamiliar freedom. A lot of people say they they want freedom, they want to live awake, they want to do these things, but it can feel frightening. And so, I think for for me, there were those big moments. But I think when if we can actually put ourselves into those moments without necessarily waiting for them, we can go well. Just stop and go. Am I awake? Am I alive? Am I am I living life fully on my terms? Hell, do I even know what the belief I want? And then do I even know how to do that? Or have I so lost who I am? So, you know, going right back, I'm I'm grateful that, you know, I know this might sound weird, but in my early 30s, I Money walked out the door, marriage walked out the door, I I felt a lot of shame and and judgment. But I've learned now when those things are percolating, if I can just slow down enough, and dropping beneath the story, that craziness going on the brain of judgment telling me how crap I am. <laughs> that, you know those boys we all have? That's pretty damn brutal. To just go, okay, what, what am I afraid of feeling? What, what's going on here? What do I really want? And it was in that moment, just enough of a slowing down, enough of a silence to just hear that, that, that desire of life to say there is something else here. There is a life worth living. And then having the courage to go, I'm just going to take tiny steps towards it. And for me, it was really clear that I needed economic stability. I needed financial stability. And just working harder was not going to do it, getting another job, getting more money. And so it made me look at this gap because I had enough information. And, and I think when we can also stop and go, what's the data showing me? Is doing more of what I've done going to Give me any different result. You know, maybe there is a different way. And for me, I'm just so grateful that that different way said, ah, I'm not going to shame the working hard. I still love working hard. I think it's a privilege to work. You know, we need to bring money in. Yes, we need to spend money. That's called, you know, part of the way we exchange value. But this, this model that I know will never give me freedom. And they're, they're, and I think I, I, you know, I'd heard about investing, but I had no exposure to it. And it was enough curiosity. So the the next step was listening to also be curious, and be curious with that, just maybe just maybe this will be possible for me. So if anyone's listening here, just for everybody that's listening here, it's almost trust those sparks of hope. I'll often say hope is a devastating financial plan. Many people hope that their money stuff will just sort itself out. You know, you don't want hope as your financial or your liberation or your freedom plan. But it's also important to notice, maybe we can call it desire, life. There's that active part, there's that little part that says, do you know, there, there is still time. We can, you know, those adventures, that thing you wanted to do, that, that life. And that's where I'm just so grateful that I know with absolute certainty My life force, the truth of who I am, never gave up on me. And I think all of that thread, whatever our belief system is, I think there's an underlying spark of life that never, ever goes out, even if we can feel that it has, whatever life has brought us. If we can just slow down enough to reconnect in that, and even though it might feel devastating and scary, almost like we can't even imagine our being so heartbroken again if it doesn't feel dare to be heartbroken. And I use that not by somebody else, but almost by ourselves, because I think there's this tenacity to keep believing in an aspect of life. And I think you know, we always only have a hindsight to really give clarity to it, but I think it was in each of those moments. And more recently, you know, and that's come in many stages. When I started the well Chef business, I there was this this spark, this fire going, I, I really, really want to help people with, with this stuff. But there was this, just these doubt monsters, the not enough monsters going, who do you think you are? I mean, you've built railways around the world. What the hell do you know about teaching sharing? Why would anyone want to listen to you? You know, there's already many people out there doing that. You know, a lot of people go, why should I start a business that, you know, Look at all the other people already doing it. You've created such an amazing success with your podcast. I wouldn't be surprised, Amy, if you did, if your not enough monsters didn't come out. You know, why is anybody gonna listen to my podcast? There's so many podcasts out there. Why would any and so I really had to sit with these fears and those doubts and still just trust that thread that is going, why not? Let's just do this. You're going to so one part of it, you're going to regret it if you don't try and just bring this to life. And cannot just let go of that familiar suffering which can also be you know those not enough monsters plague on that just stay where you're at it's it's okay it's good enough you know do you really want to put yourself out there and be rejected and it not work and fail because those stories we have so I think you know that was huge for me in the Wealth Chef. And I've learned now what are my precursors for success? Getting mentors, getting coaches, looking at my environment. I come right back to what's the ecosystem that is more likely to keep me awake. But there's also what is the ecosystem that's more likely gonna help me navigate these monsters. They don't stop the monsters, they don't stop the fears. They just give me more resources to bring them out. And you know, even more recently, I really in my in my marriage, I, I got married again, and this time a completely different relationship with money and life. And twenty years into my marriage, I really realized I was evolving. I was into you know I who I was was different, and and it came another this spark of calling of life, going and who are you truly? What's aligned to that? And it was again a situation where it could very easily have just stayed comfortable was safe from a financial perspective like and why are you going to rock the boat you know your net worth's going to be hard (laughs) if you go this route you know a lot of people will say you know there's nothing wrong with your marriage and i think sometimes we can also go oh we should only change something because there's something wrong with it this away from rather than what are you wanting to go towards and i think takes a lot of courage to slow down and then then that aspect of listening to it and again i sort of listened to that thread and i knew that this relationship had run its course and that the next dropping in for me to truly be awake, truly be connected with my life meant this marriage needed to end. And so, you know, that was very recently, only a year ago ended um, a 20 year marriage and with beautiful grace, love, commitment and financial resilience. And I know coming back to my big why, (laughs) okay, why I'm passionate about it because, and this is why I'm so, passionate about people getting clean with their money stuff, getting clean with their investing, the practicalities of how do you build up a juicy net worth so that neither parties or or however many parties happen to be in your, your, your relationship um, are freaking out about money stuff that money isn't used as a power dynamic. It's used like it should be just as an input and a resource. How many relate people stay in relationships because of economic shackles or The money stuff becomes this huge, messy trigger. And when they end relationships, the only people that get it are the divorce lawyers. And so, you know, these have been all these threads. So I know I'm talking a hell of a lot, Amy, but I don't know whether that helps sort of going back. What have been these threads is just slowing down and going and choosing life, choosing life, choosing life each time.
0: And when you're working with all these, particularly women, and, and I'm sure you have men followers as well. But, Lots of gorgeous men, but yeah, I'm passionate I, about the women. Absolutely. How, does it, how do you feel when you see them moving into this state of, of freedom, wealth and liberation? <sighs> oh,
1: Amy, I, I'm often just in deep awe. And, oh, I'm getting a bit emotional. I didn't expect that question. This, I know that for me, this is part of my deep why. So I started off with the why for me, but it's evolved this wider why for life, why for the planet. Because I know that for me, by doing this, I'm not able to contribute to wildlife, to the earth abundantly. I've got resources available to help you. And I see... People, when they ch- start getting into right relationship with their money, with their investing, where they now have economic resources, where they can start dropping this deep fear and anxiety, they've got more resources available. Their, their regulation units in their brain aren't being spent on just survival and fear. It's freeing them up for creativity, for being able to express, to be able to be with life. And so, They start, this word empowerment is is, is so sort of overused, but they now start having a, a power, a force that they can start speaking their truth. They can start feeling safe in the world. They can start businesses, they can end businesses. There is this freedom of being fully who they are. And I come right back to, you know, two out of three women will end up relying on charity of strangers or their kids shit there's no freedom in that but even worse than that amy it's the stats and it hasn't improved much but these are stats from the united nations a few years ago but it hasn't improved significantly women represent uh, about 65 percent of the workforce they grow about 55 of the food that the world eats they control only around 40 percent of the wage bill what i mean really and they own, they own only round about one and a half percent of the assets. That's actually share ownership in businesses, property, actual. And when we start understanding wealth is based in assets, not in income, we've got to shift that focus. We need income and we need parity in that. But if we do not do that, so no wonder the world is messed up. No wonder it's where we've got this vast, beautiful amazing sense of resources who are in contracted and fear and shame and don't know how to use their voice, can't express, can't ask, can't bring all of themselves to the world. And so when I see this liberation happening, when I see people being able to drop their fear, when I see them go, okay, this investing isn't so difficult side because again there's this this perception even in relation that investing is a male thing there's this wolf of wall street this machismo kind of side that you're meant to be aggressive and it's scary and it's that sort of stuff bs you know research has shown that women when they start investing they're much better investors than most men and this is not about men versus women it's just We don't have testosterone driving the bus. Yay. Um, We could make really good, solid decisions. When we've got out of the intergenerational stories of martyrdom, of sacrifice, that that's what it means to be a good girl or a good woman is one that deprives herself, that she comes last. Because we've seen what that's created in the world. And we've got to stop. And only us women can do that. So when I see women choosing to go, you know what? i'm going to get out of my familiar suffering and i'm going to choose unfamiliar freedom firstly for myself but mostly for the world for my family for my community and and for life and when i do that i cannot help but impact others and in the community i i just see in the well chef world that women then start sharing with their friends with their kids there's this this these ripples go out of financial knowledge and empowerment and it we literally transform the world. And so Amy, how do I feel? I just, I feel in awe. I feel grateful. Um, I feel humbled and I always, and I just, it just gives me such motivation to keep pitching up even when I feel not enough or tired or, yeah, or scared or whatever the, the shit is that comes up with that story.
0: And it's incredible. You you spoke earlier about moving from existing into living. And and I've been guilty of that. I was so aware that I had just been existing and that this whole world was passing me by. I was drifting. And the moment that I took responsibility to shift that was incredible. And so much has happened since. And now I'm dragging women, kicking and screaming, but mostly willingly into (laughs) a a world of of financial knowledge, of literacy, because people don't have the right language. They're not using yes. the right language internally, externally, whole way.
1: Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's just so, I mean, you teach in many ways you, with through property and, and through here, really getting clear because I think what, why I love the folks on the why and we need to, to come deep down in is because it's, you know, we can beat ourselves up, and and sometimes it, it is hard to be awake. It is hard to take that personal responsibility. You know, if, if you look look on, we've got a society that that rewards the victim. We and as women, there's another whole level that we need to learn. What does sisterhood mean? There's a big difference between compassion and commiseration. You know, do you love to sit with your? You know sisterhood your friends your female friends and bitch and moan about oh i wish the world would change Wish men weren't like that or the partner or we can't do x y or or we bitch and moan about the the salary gap or x y z hell yes let's be aware of those but where are we just whining versus stepping up and actually doing you know Gandhi. i I love a lot of people will wear the t-shirt or they'll have this be the change you want to see in the world i go be careful what you put out there because do you realize how hard that is it means such personal accountability and responsibility it means looking and going how where am i complicit in my own imprisonment constantly where am i betraying myself where am i not choosing that that door of freedom where am i slipping into and just staying in that you know familiar suffering and that's why I said, Amy, we also need a huge big dollop of deep self-compassion in all of this because I think there's not a day that goes by where I don't go, okay, I've just zoned out, I'm back into, you know, it's just much easier to blame somebody else. But as long as we, we can out ourselves, we can realize, ah, that's just a socialized habit and that's never going to get me living the life that I want
0: it's it's very scary the statistics that are out there and I know that a lot of women will live their final years in poverty purely because yeah. they outlive their partners and they've spent majority of their nest egg on looking after their partners and yeah. then and then they are if they haven't got children or family they live their final years very sadly so I am oh. on a mission to change that to educate everybody who I I, I see or, or want to listen just because I don't want to force it. I don't want to preach. I just do. And that's why this podcast is I get guests on who are living that life so that other mm-hmm. people can see that it's possible.
1: Oh, Absolutely. And I love that. And that, that's, you know, your contribution. I think knowledge is so important. And, but as you said, you've got to do, you could, I love your, I love what you've created. I mean, should, I mean talk about action. And when we really understand that, we actually have to participate. We've got to participate in our own rescue. We can't just want it. You know, this is what, you know, You've recorded what, like a hundred podcasts in three months or something. I mean, talk about massive action. Have the courage to ask. Just before we did this, Amy was sharing with me just the amazing people she, she's getting on and has had on this podcast. And we spoke about that courage, getting over that fear of who are we not enough. If we just don't We've got to ask. And as women, we've also got to learn how to not plead, how to not justify, just get clean. There's a thing around getting clean with our money, getting clean with asking, getting clean with our power. Um, Dropping and unweaving our sense of self-worth from all these other things, from how we, from our money, from our job, from our relationships. So we, that's part of that freedom, this un, you know, untangling. And I'm just, well, I'm just so grateful for you, Amy. It's been wonderful that you, you know, you've spoken on our stages before and just your story. And I think the more of us who will just keep sharing and calling on others, as you say, not forcing, but I think there is this call and there is a side of going, wake up wake up not for me, not for your partner, not for your kids, not for the dog, not for the goldfish, not because you're going to get the gold star on your head, but for you. And, and what does that mean for you? And I think part of that waking up is for each and every one of us to have the courage to, to get to know who we are. And, I, and just, I just want to add in here, part of me waking up is having to have the most exquisite love affair with myself. And get deeply curious about me, and I know that sounds ironic because we're talking about out there helping the rest of the world. But I think part of this journey for women to truly step forward is we have to learn to love ourselves deeply as what we are. Because again, we've been so taught how to please, perform, appease all externally in order just to be safe. And quite frankly, you know, a few generations ago, that's the only option women had: were to please, perform, and appease so that they, you know, they were safe. They could have food over their head, that their kids were safe. But they worked hard to get us to where we are, where we have such a different set of choices, that we now need to know who are we, what turns us on, what do we love in life sexually, emotionally, our sense of expression, what is our voice, what do we want to contribute out there, and then put together this foundation, this ecosystem of economic well-being, of voice, of community. Who, who do we choose to connect with? And associated with, and then go out and share. Share the stuff, whatever that is that you know, be abundant. There's enough of it. And yeah, Amy, you're doing exactly that.
0: Well, you said right at the beginning that people don't know what they want you know and, and that's yeah. often the case that people don't stop and pause and take that time to invest in themselves and understand themselves of what they really truly want because mm-hmm. it isn't easy it's not a sit down at my desk go a couple of hours later there we go all of the answers you know this is yeah, once a year you do your your vision and go no <laughs> it's messy as hell <laughs> and and that's fine and and you know that's okay it doesn't matter you don't have to be perfect i had an idea i put together a plan. I launched it. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't exactly how I wanted it to be, but it didn't matter. It was out there. And people reached, you know, me saying, this is amazing. It was at the period of lockdown right at the beginning, but now I've taken everybody on a journey. And that's what it is. It's just like, look, I put myself out there. I put myself into an uncomfortable space and look what happened. It wasn't that scary guys. It really wasn't. And you
1: didn't make it about your sense of identity and worthiness. No. And and this is, you know, make it about the why, which can also be about ourselves. Our why could be, hey, I just want to have fun. You know, why do I want to make cupcakes? Because shit, they taste fun and they're easy to make. But it's not your you 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 separated this from your self-worth you didn't go oh, oh my god folks on the why this is it this is the thing that's going to rescue me save me make me everything and i think we can do that with our money stuff with our investing with our businesses our partners and go hang on whoa whoa it's just we're here those things are there <laughs> it doesn't mean you didn't feel nervous i'm sure
0: so it's funny. I mean, you, you talk about energy, time and money, and I've put a lot of energy, a lot of time and essentially my own money into this as a as a, an altruistic venture, because no, I'm not earning directly from this. Yes, I get people who come to me because they want to coach. But this was never about me. This was about everybody else. And it was a bigger picture. It was bigger thinking. It was how can other people focus on their why to do what they love and and put their blinkers on and just providing relatable, uplifting, inspiring conversations with people like yourself who have experienced been through various things and are helping all the time people to find and focus on their why. Oh, I just love it to bits. And yeah. And, and, you know, I think we also then see the ripple impact of
1: that flows out because often the benefits uh, and this is similar with investing. And I always say it's never one investment. It's never one share portfolio. It's never one investment property. It is the ecosystem of your assets that will then serve you. Because in different markets, some will go up, some will go down. You know, This is what I teach practical how-tos together with the the mindset of of claiming freedom and standing in that so that your money can actually work for you. Just that you you are actually creating an amazing asset here. You're creating an asset bank because one, it's repeatable. People can listen to it. What's an asset? something that keeps delivering value without you. But a lot of people misunderstand that in just about anything that is worthwhile, it needs to have energy put in front. You need to create it. But when it's an asset it can now keep working for you. And many people go, oh, well, I can't be bothered. They'll look at you, Amy, and go, isn't Amy so lucky? Look what she's done. How did she do it? Whatever. and Go, no. You You know, luck, I don't believe in luck. It's opportunity matches being prepared. And our job, so my wish for people is, I hope a lot of opportunity comes your way. My greatest wish for you is massive opportunity. But, and... I hope it's matched with you being prepared to catch that opportunity. And that's exactly what you've done. You put yourself into the place to catch that opportunity. So this asset, there might not be a direct financial relationship, but it will flow because that, that's how the life works. It's, you are giving massive value out there in the world, plus you've created in a structured way that can keep working, where a lot of people do altruistic things, but they're going, is it actually sustainable? Does it last, does it have a root system? Or they're just giving flowers out while they're actually planting these amazing trees. I mean, you coming right back to that metaphor, your podcast, you've focused on getting those roots in the ground getting the soil in place, doing that work, planting it, plowing it. And then that core of that trunk just gets stronger and stronger. And then the the leaves and the flowers and the fruits take care of themselves.
0: Oh, they absolutely do. And I can't say how amazing it's been having you on the show and your energy is literally, people are just going to be stuck. They might go for a walk and they'll still be running by the end of it. (gasps) Oh, this weird blonde with this strange <laughs>
1: accent. No, it's thank you, because, you know, you know, often people do comment on my energy. And I can't really say where it comes from, but I do know the more I connect with my why, the more I connect with life, the more I have the courage to walk through that door of unfamiliar freedom, which often is the scariest door <laughs> that's out there. It's a big one that has a big F on it, not for freedom, but for fear. <laughs> I like, go, oh shit! I'm gonna have to go through there. The more enlivening it is, and the more I'm able to drop away the stuff that is not my truth. It's not my truth of what lights me up. It's not the truth of where I want to spend my money. You know, one of the big things I teach people is, is what, how to be a wealthy spender. And this is about how do we conscious of knowing that our wealthy life, our true awake life, is is made by the choices of how we spend our resources, our time, our money, and energy. Do we even know how to do that well? Do we know where we want to be directing them to? And how much of our time, energy, and resources are spent on the things we should do, the things society has told us we should be spending those things on, which are just depleting and draining. And I think so many people's energy is so sucked away from them because these beautiful three resources that we have are actually spent on stuff that doesn't turn them on, doesn't light them up.
0: So people who have been energised by you today, and how would they get in contact with you? Where would they find you?
1: Well, you know, come on in. I know you will be sharing a link with them. I've got lots of free training, and there's a great one, which is about the six-step roadmap to freedom, where I cover these different elements, this ecosystem of what they are and how to start investing, but also how. what are the different elements? Where does saving come in place? How do you deal with consumer debt? Because these are all components. Insurances, where do they fit in, don't they? This real practical, how do you create this ecosystem, this, this foundation of financial wellness? This beyond just the vision board, which is important, but there's practical, how do you invest? What do you invest in? <laughs> how much do you need? And so there's a great free training there. So click on that link and join me there. And we've got the Wealth Chef book. You can head on there. All good retailers are on there. Yay! We've got it there. And just keep, yeah, I'm, I'm all over social media. So the Wealth Chef, so that's as in cooking, because money's an ingredient. And uh, let's just keep having juicy money conversations because I think the more we can talk about money, talk about power, talk about safety, talk about our relationship with it, where we can de-shame it, that's how we free ourselves to become great leaders to our money. And then our money can serve us like it should
0: do. Well, absolutely fantastic. I'll make sure all of those links are in the show notes. And again, thank you. Do you have a final word for the audience today, please?
1: I really want to, one of the biggest lessons that I've really had to drop into is that there is no there. There is no place that we get to. There is no there where suddenly the unicorns are farting flowers and you know the blue birds are singing endlessly around our heads where everything is neat and tidy. And that actually the leading edge of life being alive, being free is always looks like the leading edge of this crazy fucking tapestry. The threads look unraveled, it's messy. You know, when we look back, we can see that tapestry and we can see the pattern. But when we're truly choosing to be awake and alive and learning, it can feel unraveled. It can feel a little bit crazy. And when we can drop in to go, oh, this is where life is that we can maybe want to go back and wrap ourselves in, into that comfort of that, that previously lived life, that blanket, that tapestry that's looking all neat. But no, that's not, that's not where life is. That's not where freedom is. And so I have really had learned that to be okay with the little bit of the messy unraveledness of my life and celebrate that, oh, it looks like this. It feels like this because I'm at the the leading freedom edge of my life. So know that you are the only one that needs to have your back. There is no safety out there, it's from inside. And when you truly just stay with you, have this great love affair with you, keep having your own back, listen to you, enjoy the unraveled, messy, crazy threads of that leading edge of your life.
0: If you would like me to help you focus on your why, then please book a free 20-minute coaching call via canadley.com forward slash Rollinson. And if you haven't already, please sign up for the Friday Focus weekly newsletter via my website amyrollinson.com. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.